Welcome to Chapter 9 of the Judas Epidemic, entitled The United Nations, Theosophy's World Servers. In the introduction to this book, I mentioned a conspiracy, a conspiracy to thwart the plans of God. I explained that this conspiracy was very real and that its origin is of very ancient roots, dating all the way back to the Garden of Eden in the Bible. The mastermind of this conspiracy has been diligently and faithfully working in the minds and hearts of men for ages, seeking to literally destroy God's plan for mankind and for the earth. It has been the objective of the Judas epidemic to bring into plain view this conspiracy, its author, and its intent in a way that will make it clear and unquestionable to you as the evil that it truly is. This conspiracy involves the total deception of mankind, and it reaches into every facet of human existence, economics, religion, and government. It is a conspiracy that is total in its scope and for good reason. Satan wants and needs to utterly destroy us. Satan hates God, and he hates God's creation of man, and will stop at nothing to annihilate us if he can, taking as many souls with him to hell as he possibly can. In previous chapters, we have seen that Satan's first lie to mankind in the Garden of Eden has also been whispered to those in the church and has resulted in the proliferation of many false doctrines which are leading to the church's demise. We have also learned that these conspiratorial, satanic lies have been whispered to many men and women throughout history, and these lies have induced many attempts to usurp the authority of God in matters of human government. Succinctly, Satan needs the world to unite and put aside their differences in order to make it possible for him to appear on the world scene as its benevolent hero and ultimately attempt to defend against Jesus Christ's return to institute his millennial kingdom here on earth. Remember, Satan wants to take God's place. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 23. Understanding as we do, that this satanic conspiracy must be one that reaches into human government, we will begin to examine how Satan's plan has thus far been successful in deceiving the masses into believing that togetherness and unity is what we as humans need most of all, instead of trusting in our Creator, Jesus Christ, for our eternal salvation. We looked at Satan's pride and joy, theosophy, in chapter 8. We will now begin to dissect Satan's involvement in human governmental affairs, starting with the United Nations. And I will show you how theosophical thought is running through every part of the United Nations and how it controls and directs every movement of the organization itself. You will see that Satan has ingrained himself in every part of what the United Nations does, and that he uses theosophical thought to do it. Let me be very blunt. Satan needs a new world order to be in place before his Antichrist can come to power. 
This new world order is fast becoming a reality, and the plan has been in effect for ages, gradually gaining religious, economic, and governmental ground. It's almost here, and I can't help but imagine how gleeful Satan must feel knowing that his plan is coming very close to fruition. It is a plan that will ultimately fail, of course, but not without culminating in the demise of all unbelieving, unsaved mankind. Also, as we look deeply into the operations of the United Nations, remember to look for the pervasiveness of theosophical New Age terminology in the language that the organization itself uses. It is the positive identifier of their motives and of the origin of their ideas. A brief history of the United Nations. The name United Nations was devised by United States President Franklin D. Roosevelt and was first used in the Declaration by United Nations of January 1, 1942, during the Second World War, when representatives of 26 nations pledged their governments to continue fighting together against the Axis powers. <coughs> Excuse me. The United Nations Charter was drawn up by the representatives of 50 countries at the United Nations Conference on International Organization, which met at San Francisco uh, from April 25th to June 26th, 1945. Those delegates deliberated on the basis of proposals worked out by the representatives of China, the Soviet Union, the United Kingdom, and the United States at Dumbarton Oaks, in August through October of 1944. The charter was signed on June 26, 1945, by the representatives of the 50 countries. Poland, which was not represented at the conference, signed it later and became one of the original 51 member states. The United Nations officially came into existence on October 24, 1945, when the Charter had been ratified by China, France, the Soviet Union, the United Kingdom, the United States, and by a majority of other signatories. United Nations Day is celebrated on October 24th of each year. The preamble to the Charter of the United States, uh, United Nations, states this. We, the people of the peoples of the United Nations, determined, colon, to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war, which twice in our lifetime has brought untold sorrow to mankind, and to reaffirm faith in fundamental human rights, in the dignity and worth of the human person, in the equal rights of men and women and of nations large and small, and to establish conditions under which justice and respect for the obligations arising from treaties and other sources of international law can be maintained, and to promote social progress and better standards of life in larger freedom, and for these ends, to practice tolerance and live together in peace with one another as good neighbors, and to unite our strength to maintain international peace and security, and to ensure by the acceptance of principles and the institution of methods that armed force shall not be used save in the common interest, 
and to employ international machinery for the promotion of the economic and social advancement of all peoples have resolved to combine our efforts to accomplish these aims. Accordingly, our respective governments, through representatives assembled in the city of San Francisco, who have exhibited their full powers to be found in good and due form, have agreed to the present charter of the United Nations and do hereby establish an international organization to be known as the United Nations. Now, the complete charter is posted at the following UN website, www.un.org. And the original source uh, for this was www.aquaac.org. Note, I have included this brief history of the United Nations and its preamble to the charter in order to show you the similarities that exist between the UN ideologies and the theosophy movement that you read about in chapter eight of this book. I extracted this information from the website of the Aquarian Age Community, a new age organization whose fundamental ideologies are theosophical in nature. And the question is, why does the Aquarian Age Community website contain abundant United Nations information? The answer is, well, they're the same in ideology and thus they have the same goals. I promise you, you will see more and more evidence of this conspiratorial partnership in the pages to come. In chapter eight, we looked at a plethora of theosophical statements and doctrinal views of Alice Bailey, probably the most influential of all theosophists, as she is considered by most to be the mother of the new age religious thought that is so prevalent today. Bailey was also a prolific, prolific author of theosophical books. Her written works are still being published and disseminated today. Shortly after Bailey moved to the United States after her first marriage failed, she met and married a man named Foster Bailey, a 32nd degree Freemason, and together they formed a publishing company called The Lucifer Trust, which was to be solely responsible for the publication and distribution of all of Alice Bailey's theosophical writings. <laughs> Lucifer Trust changed its name to Lucis Trust shortly after its inception. Hmm. Theosophy's publishing company was named Lucifer Trust. Interesting. Why that name? Because Lucifer is the god of theosophy. That's why. Bear in mind that the name Lucifer, as well as the name Lucis, come from the same Latin term meaning light bearer or light. Hence, the Lucis Trust was named after their god, Lucifer or Satan. Please bear with me here while I explain these connections. I want to be thorough. When Lucis Trust was formed, its charter stated that its purpose was to, quote, encourage the study of comparative religion, philosophy, science, and art, to encourage every line of thought tending to the broadening of human sympathies and interests and the expansion of ethical, religious, and educational literature, to assist or engage in activities for the relief of suffering and for human betterment, and in general, 
to further worthy efforts for humanitarian and educational ends, unquote. Lucis Trust was also instrumental in the founding of the World Goodwill Group in 1932, which has been recognized by the United Nations as a non-governmental organization, or NGO, and is represented during, during regular briefing sessions for NGOs at the United Nations. The Lucis Trust has consultative status with, with the United Nations Economic and Social Council. Yes, you read that correctly. Lucis Trust and its partner, the World Goodwill Group, are both an integral part of the everyday operations of the United States. And the Lucis Trust has consultative status. That means that the United Nations must consult with Lucis Trust on matters of social and economic importance to the world. Is that enough of a connection for you? If not, then let me show you what the World Goodwill Group has stated their three main goals are. One, to help mobilize the energy of goodwill. Two, to cooperate in the work of preparation for the reappearance of the Christ. And three, to educate public opinion on the causes of the major world problems and to help create the thought form of solution. My goodness. So, the World Goodwill Group, who has, along with Lucis Trust, consultative status with the United Nations, states that one of their main goals is to work towards the reappearance of the New Age Christ, which is really the Antichrist of the Bible. The World Goodwill Group and Lucis Trust get to whisper in the ears of some of the most influential political leaders in the world every day in the United Nations. How does that make you feel? But wait, there's more. Alice Bailey wrote in her book, Discipleship in the New Age, Volume 2, quote, Evidence of the growth of the human intellect along the needed receptive lines for the preparation of the New Age can be seen in the planning of various nations and in the efforts of the United Nations to formulate a world plan. From the very start of this unfoldment, three occult factors have governed the development of all these plans. Unquote. While she did not identify these three occult factors plainly, she did state, quote, Within the United Nations is the germ and seed of a great international and meditating reflective group, a group of thinking and informed men and women in whose hands lies the destiny of humanity. This is largely under the control of many fourth-ray disciples, if you could but realize it, and their point of meditative focus is the intuitional or buddhic plane the plane upon which all hierarchical activity is today to be found. Now, unquote. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds to me like a blatantly obvious statement by Bailey that the very inner workings of the United Nations are greatly influenced, if not totally controlled, by Lucifer, the benevolent hero of mankind, according to New Age theosophical thought. And if that be the case, 
which it is, then the world is in a heap of trouble for sure. You want more proof? Good. Here it is. Theosophy's founder, H.P. Blavatsky, also states that, quote, Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer is the logos, the serpent, the savior. It is Satan who is the god of our planet and the only god. That's right. H.P. Blavatsky wrote that in The Secret Doctrine, Volume 2. It really couldn't be more obvious, could it? The United Nations is an organization conceived by theosophical and New Age thought, and its god is none other than Satan himself. It was created in 1945 during the administration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, whose vice president was Henry Wallace, a borderline Buddhist and theosophist. There's another obvious connection, eh? Believe me, the connections are limitless, and I could write an entire book on this subject, and, and maybe I will, but we'll just concentrate on the most obvious ones. This should not be a surprise to Christians, as we know that Satan is referred to as the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Quote, In whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of men which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Unquote. Christians, don't be deceived into believing that organizations like the United Nations are doing something noble for the benefit of mankind, because they are not. They are actively working towards the goal of reshaping the world to one of unity and conformity of political and religious systems, so as to prepare the way for their Christ, the Bible's Antichrist, to appear on the world stage and control a new world order. Bailey gives more proof that the United Nations, New Age Christ, is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible when she says, quote, The major effect of his appearance will surely be to demonstrate in every land the effects of a spirit of inclusiveness, an inclusiveness which will be channeled or expressed through him. All who seek right human relations will be gathered automatically to him, whether they are in one of the great world religions or not. All who see no true or basic difference between religion and religion, or between man and man, or nation and nation, will rally around him. Those who embody the spirit of exclusiveness and separateness will stand automatically and equally revealed, and all men will know them for what they are. Unquote. Bailey states here that all persons of every country, every ethnicity, every belief system, and every society will rally around their Christ as long as they show a spirit of inclusiveness. She also states that those who show a spirit of exclusiveness or separateness, uh, such as Christians, will be shown to be traitors or betrayers of this new world order, which at this time will be led by Satan's Antichrist. That's right. The United Nations is working toward the institution of a one-world system, a new world order, that the people of Earth will have to be totally subject to, or they will be deemed as traitors, and that all men will know them for what they are. I think now would be a good time to look at what the Bible says 
about the coming new world order, its leadership, and what is prophesied about the ultimate futility of mankind's attempt to save itself. In Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist, referred to as the beast, is introduced as having total control over the one world system, the new world order. The Bible says in this passage, quote, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, Satan, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Unquote. As you can plainly see in this passage of Scripture, the beast, the Antichrist, will rise to power, and all the world will worship him. The Antichrist will be the most politically powerful person on the planet. The dragon in this passage is a definite reference to Satan, and it will be Satan who provides the Antichrist with his power and authority over the new world order. Reading further in Revelation 13, we find, quote, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Unquote. The Bible clearly states here that the Antichrist will have total control over all kindreds, tongues, and nations, and that his power will be given to him by Satan, the dragon. The Antichrist will continue 40 and two months for 42 months, three and a half years. The Antichrist will have free reign to do as he pleases with a new world order at his disposal. The Bible clearly indicates that the whole world, a world completely unified, will worship the beast and hand over their sovereignty to him. I think that this clearly shows the world as having a one-world government in place at this time, and the Antichrist will need that one-world government in place in order to do Satan's bidding. So, the one-world government is covered, but what about the one-world economy and religion that is supposed to be in place at this time? Well, let's read further in Revelation 13. Quote, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Unquote. According to the Bible, the Antichrist will have a lot of help from another beast, who is the false prophet. This will be a powerful religious leader who will promote global worship of the Antichrist. The false prophet is a deceiver who will present himself as gentle and harmless, but will be speaking dangerous heresies in the promotion of the Antichrist. An educated guess is that he will be telling the world to unite and put aside their religious differences. 
He will be promoting the Antichrist as the savior of mankind and will be fostering an attitude of oneness and Antichrist consciousness. The Bible states further, quote, in Revelation 13, 15, quote, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed, unquote. The Bible shows in this passage that the world will clearly be united in worship of the Antichrist, but states that there will be definitely holdouts that will refuse to worship him in all his satanic splendor. The Bible clearly states that the Antichrist will have the power to kill them, and he will do so. These holdouts must be those that show a spirit of exclusiveness and separateness that good old Alice Bailey was talking about. Christians? Yes. People that come to realize at this time that the Bible was true and completely correct and that Jesus Christ is the only true Savior of the world. Okay. That covers the one world religion. What about the one world economy? Glad you asked. We read further in Revelation 13. Quote, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Revela uh, unquote. Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. This passage is undeniably a description of a one-world economy where no one can buy, sell, or make a living unless they swear their allegiance to the New World Order's big boss, the Antichrist. I mean, how clear does it need to be stated? It's all right there for the reading and the understanding, yet so many people of the world refuse to believe it. How sad is the thought that so many are being deceived into the acceptance of this New World Order, this system that will result in their earthly destruction, and their spiritual damnation. Ladies and gentlemen, if the Bible is not enough proof for you, which it should be, let me show you what the most politically influential and wealthiest contemporaries of our day are saying about this new world order. Maybe you'll believe them. Is the new world order just some fable or fairy tale? Is it just paranoia? Is it just a conspiracy dreamt up by fundamental Christians? I think not. The following quotes will prove that. But before you read on, remember that this new world order is prophesied in the Bible to be a one world government, economic, and religious system. Read on. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this half hour. Those quotes mentioned in uh, chapter 9, coming up in our next session. Tune in in just a few moments. We'll see you soon.